folks, and welcome to Second Look. Today, I am your host, Benjamin Green, and this is the podcast brought to you by the Outset Network, where we pause, take a look around, and talk about things going on in politics, culture, and sometimes faith. The reason why we talk about all three of those things, if this is your first time tuning into the show, is because I, your host, am big on living an integrated life. For years, I tried to separate the aspects of my life, cordon, faith, apart from politics, because I was turned off by um, politicians, especially on the right, who I felt like used their faith for political gain. So my response to that was to try and split those things off, but... For a while now, I don't know exactly how long, I have been working to reverse that within my brain and integrate my perspectives so that I have consistency across every area of my life, as much as is humanly possible. So, we're brought to you by the Outset Network. If you like this show, you should check out the other Outset podcasts at outsetnetwork.com slash podcasts. It has been about a year and a half since President Trump was elected. Um, well, really, we're getting close to a year and a half since he got inaugurated. Everybody has their own theory as to why this happened. Um, you pay any attention for any amount of time to people talking about Trump, and everyone thinks they know exactly why it happened. Hillary should have gone to Wisconsin, and if she'd done that, then she would have won. People are angry at Washington, D.C., so they wanted an outsider to come in and clean things up. That's why Trump won. The The white working class was ignored, and Trump spoke to them, and and that's why he won. People were, were scared about immigration, scared about President Obama, and so the big strongman personality came, was a reflex against Obama, and reassurances about a wall. That's why... Trump won. Hillary Clinton was such a deeply unpopular candidate. That's why she lost. Or America is so misogynistic. That's why Hillary Clinton lost. Everyone has their own theory. And I am included in that everyone who has their own theory. My theory about why Trump won is something that goes much deeper than any of those other theories. It's not something about this election cycle in particular, um, not anything like that. But I think the reason why Trump won is because Trump was the more human candidate. <laughs> I will elaborate on that later. But the thing is, the, the, those things I listed out a minute ago were things that could have been sorted out in the general election. You know, go, Hillary going to Wisconsin and stuff like that were sorted out in the general election. But as far as being a reflex against Obama and being a voice to people's anger and stuff like that, there were a lot of Republicans who could have answered those needs. Um, and they could have been that voice in the general election against Hillary Clinton. You know, we had more than a dozen really qualified 
Republicans running for office. Some people said it was the most talented Republican field we'd ever seen. In fact, I might have been one of those people. Don't go back and listen to the old episodes because it's not worth it. But, <laughs> but, but I was at the time a Republican and at the time really impressed with the crop of candidates that was coming up. But Trump just came in and it was like he sucked all of the air out of the room. Um, he instantly shot up in the polls and he he ran in front the whole race. And then in the general election, I think most of us thought Hillary was going to win. The polls looked like Hillary was going to win. Um, but it turned out she didn't. You know, Bernie, if he'd made it through the primary, he could have given voice to the white working class. Ted Cruz could have satisfied the immigration hawks. What is it that put Trump in the Oval Office? I submit to you that it's more than the fact that he checked off boxes on people's lists. The thing is, in the Republican primary of 2016, we didn't realize it yet, but the the conservative movement had, if you will, disintegrated. Conservatism over the last 30 years or so has degraded from being an, a vibrant um, way of life to being trapped in ideologies about checking people's boxes. Lower taxes, check. Defend the Second Amendment, check. Say God's name every once in a while, check. Uh, for a while, one of those boxes was defend traditional marriage. Check. That seems to be fading from what it means to be conservative. Conservatism, as it is seen by the American public, seems to be mostly focused on money. Checking people's boxes as it relates to the size of government and how it spends our money. The conservative movement in 2016 had become so weakened by this lack of genuineness, this, this focus on arbitrary checklists of principles that some people decided conservatives had to hold. And the crass liar who came in, said what he thought without concern for what the media and the intelligentsia thought about it, he seemed genuine, he seemed real, he seemed human. And he adeptly made everybody else on stage, even though in my opinion, he's the biggest buffoon of the lot of them. He seemed real to people and everybody else seemed weak. Everybody else seemed fake. Everybody else seemed like they had been popped out of the Republican candidate factory, like they weren't actually a real person. And Donald Trump, for all his faults, it should come as no surprise to you that I am no fan of our current president. I try hard to afford him respect for the office that he holds, and it is a struggle for me to do so. I believe that he has disqualified himself from that office time and time again. And so, what is striking to me is that so many people whose opinions I trusted before the election got into his corner. 
So many people that I thought were conservative supported this man who I still believe is not conservative. And I believe the thing that got people into his corner, people who might not otherwise have gotten into the corner of a recent Republican convert whose pro-life credentials were sketchy, whose pro-Second Amendment credentials were stretchy, stretchy, sketchy, <laughs> stretchy. I'm going to leave that in in editing. Um, the... The, the reason people flock to this guy is because he seemed like a person. He seemed human. And things, the, the, the establishment's response to Trump was to talk about his business failures, his bad treatment of people in eminent domain. Every single negative story they trotted out to try and pin him down with he used to his advantage because every single story that came out made him seem more human. It was almost unbelievable that a person running for president had had multiple bankruptcies. But guess what? Lots of people in this country have had bankruptcy. That made him more relatable. It was almost inconceivable that a person running for president would do so having made disgusting comments about women and their appearances and behavior toward them in the past. And yet, this presidential candidate doing so, it, it made him feel more real because we've all known those disgusting people in our own lives. We've all known people who look at women in that way. And it wasn't some guy up there putting on a fake face trying to get us to like him. He came in and he said what he wanted and people responded. Now, I believe what he wanted to say is what people wanted to hear. You know, if nothing else, Trump knows the art of the deal. <laughs> Couldn't resist. He, he knew what people wanted to hear and he came out and he said it without regard for what it sounded like. Compare the immigration issue um, so, if you are not from Arizona as I am, it might not seem as front and center to you as it does to me. Immigration is a very big deal here. It's a very heated topic. Everybody has very strong opinions about it. Immigration has... When you mention the word immigration, some people cringe, some people set their jaw in anger, some people feel sad just from the word itself, even before you get into any discussion of the issue. Some people believe we need to line up our military along the border and shoot everyone who comes close, a la the Berlin Wall. I have met people who have espoused that sentiment to me. I am not one of those people, just for clarification. Other people think we just need to cut down the fence and let people in because of the harsh conditions they're fleeing. Wherever you fall on this issue, everyone, at least where I live, has an opinion on it that is deep. And we think about it a lot because we have to. You know... In elementary and middle school, we talked about immigration. You can sometimes see kids playing. If, if, if you're in a more Hispanic area, kids sometimes chase each other around and it's not cops and robbers. It's la migra, la migra, Im immigration enforcement. 
it it's baked into us here where we are and so trump came in here and he gave everybody exactly what they wanted he gave all of the people who are more liberal on immigration a a person to rail against all of the liberal people were fired up by Trump's comments about walls and Muslim bans and and they were disgusted by them. And then all of the the immigration hawks who want a huge wall, you know, even the people less extreme than the people who want to shoot everybody, people just want a big wall there to keep everybody out and we don't necessarily want to kill them, but we want to make sure no more people are coming in across our border. Those people had a guy saying what they wanted to hear. And this was unique because the other candidates, like, say, Marco Rubio, tried to walk this delicate line so as not to make anybody mad, not to rile anybody up. But what Trump did is he fired everybody up. Some people in his favor, some people against him. He was the extreme candidate. And the extremity made him seem more real. So, again, if you've listened to this show a long time, you know I am not a fan of extremeness or extremity. You know I am not a fan of our current president. So why am I talking about this? Why am I sounding like I'm praising him for his genius? The thing is, by and large, the progressive response to Trump has lacked this authenticity that people are craving and that people thought that they saw in President Trump. Speechifying and lecturing people will not fix anything. You will not get people... Let me put it this way. If there were any speech that could have stopped people from supporting Trump, it's already been made. In the 2016 election, we saw this tape come out where he basically was bragging about sexually assaulting women. And whether or not that is recounting of an actual event that happened or him joking in some horrid, disgusting way, whether or not that's true, that tape in previous years would have destroyed anybody. And yet, if anything, it made him stronger. The, the speeches and the lectures that came out after that were just dismissed. Oh, it's just locker room talk. No big deal. So, so conservatives then, looking at our president, whom I believe is not conservative, looking at the failure of the progressive response to that president, we can sit here and we can wait for progressives to figure out how to respond and how to win elections, we can sit here and wait for that, for them to figure it out, or we can course correct first. We can recover the conservative movement. We can get past our current president's buffoonery. We can escape the track of checklist, perfect, put-together candidates that look like they came out of a factory and we can strengthen the conservative movement. 
I've said it several times in this episode, I don't believe that President Trump is conservative. But I do believe that we can stay conservative under his presidency and we can learn from him to strengthen conservatism. And the number one thing that I think we can learn is that we must be people first and genuine. During the election, President Trump made people, most notably the white working class and the the people who are afraid of immigration or even just opposed to immigration, he made those people feel like they had a voice. And those people hadn't felt like that before. He made them feel like he cared about them. Um, this, and he, even the people who don't fit into those boxes were refreshed to see somebody genuine. I remember talking to, um, someone during the election and I was talking about why I didn't like then candidate Trump and why I preferred a couple of the other candidates. And they just kept saying, but he's so honest. He's so honest. And I was struck by that because when I think of Donald J. Trump, one of the first things that comes to mind is liar. I think he lies all the time. And I, I was just astounded by the impression that these people got that he was honest. And I think it was not honesty that they were perceiving, but genuineness, or as I think the word should be, genuinity. Genuinity. Isn't that so much more fun to say? So I think what we need to do in the conservative movement, and so of course, as with all conservative solutions, this starts with you and me in our own heads, and then we tell our friends and try to get them to think this way, and it grows from there. That's, that's the way a conservative solution grows, not top-down, but bottom-up. Within the conservative movement, we need to recover genuinity. We need to be people first. We need to integrate our movement again. And it needs to be rooted in what it means to be human. It needs to be rooted in human nature. It needs to be people first. Not tax cuts first, people first. So the first way to do this is talk people's real language. So conservatives tend to get a bit wonky in our speech. We'll talk about broad-based tax cuts and all these things. A lot of terms that people use, I have been involved, heavily involved in political media, uh, in consuming it for more than five years. And there are a lot of terms people use that I still don't get. And I've read explainers about these terms and, and I don't get it. Marginal tax rates, uh, tax policy in particular seems to be very confusing. We, we need to talk people's real language. We don't talk about reducing the numbers of um, undocumented immigrants detained in the Tucson sector of the border. We go up and we say, we need to build a wall. That's what Trump did. So for us, what that looks like is we don't need to talk about how we want to build societies and restructure policies so that we can build a society where people can flourish and unlock their potential and be there. That's not the way real people talk. Real people say, I'm going to do this 
because of this. I'm going to go to the store because I need eggs. I'm going to build a wall because I want to keep the illegals out. I'm going to lower taxes because I think it's good. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you need to do. You just need to talk like a real person. Don't talk like a media person. Talk like a real person. So that's number one. Steps to a more genuine conservative movement. Talk talk people's real language. Don't talk the media's language. Step number two is try really hard to break through the bubble. And this is something you and I, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you are, as I am, a heavy consumer of political media. And even, uh, you, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't at least a marginal consumer of political media. We, we can so get trapped in the bubble and we see things trend on Twitter for weeks and then you talk to someone about it in real life and they haven't even heard of it. Uh, and so, so we need to make sure that we're not just talking to each other. We need to make sure that we're meeting and getting to know and loving real people that we see face to face in everyday life. I don't see anything wrong with, you know, having good friends within the media bubble, but we need to make sure that we also get out of the media bubble. Number three is we need to stop demanding shows of faith. And now this is one thing that it was interesting because even Donald Trump could not escape from this. He had a few famous moments on the campaign trail where he was talking about how religious he is. And I think it's pretty clear to most people, except the most deluded among us, I'm looking at you, Jerry Falwell, that President Trump is not a particularly religious man, um, that religion is not important to him at all. And yet he still could not make it through the campaign without giving these shows of faith. Conservatives tend to demand these from our politicians. And it's just crazy to me. There's um, the, the West Wing, a show which we will be talking about on the podcast here in a couple weeks. I'm very excited for that. The West Wing has, toward the end of it, a presidential campaign. And um, the Republican candidate in it is... I guess the best way to describe him would be agnostic. He's completely non-religious and he has some real problems in his head with religious faith. And he says at one point in it, when he's questioned about it, he says that politicians, if you demand them to, to, to give you this show of faith, it's going to be the easiest lie they ever told. And they will lie to you. And and this, to me, it just seems obvious. We shouldn't put a candidate up there. We people of faith should not put a candidate up there and say, tell me what I want to hear. We should look at the candidate's life. Look at the fruit of their life. And um, by their fruits, we will know them. So stop demanding shows of faith from our candidates. That That's one of the steps to a more genuine conservative movement. Step number four is run for office. Um, I had my door knocked on a few weeks ago by a couple Democratic candidates for the state legislature here, and they seemed so genuine and real. They're just normal people working normal jobs who just decided that they're going to run for office. And our legislature is part-time. So they're going to keep those normal jobs, even if they get elected. 
I, I was really encouraged and and struck by this. This is something conservatives don't really do, by and large. Conservatives tend to have this idea that, um, you know, you've got to be a politician to run for office. But, but this politician class thing is so foreign to what our government was intended to be. Normal people should run for office. And there are a lot of normal conservatives in the world who, you know, go to work every day and come home every day and eat dinner. And I, I mean, run for office. It, it, the, the best way to get more genuineness in our elected officials is to elect genuine people. And number five is listen and show respect. I can't tell you how many times I have seen, especially on Twitter, which is a medium not suited to listening, I have seen other people having a conversation and the conservative person completely misses the point and then quickly devolves into name calling. This is not a conservative outlook. It's not a genuine outlook. You wouldn't treat people that way face to face. If someone if one of your friends face to face was having a conversation with you and they disagreed with you, most people, you know, real people would not move the goalposts on them and then start calling them names. <laughs> like once we get out of elementary school anyway, most people wouldn't do that. I hope. I know I wouldn't. And I used to fall into this trap a little bit online. Thankfully, by the grace of God, I never was too, too bad about it, partially because I just don't like arguing over the internet. But I, you know, a lot of people are worse versions of themselves online. So maybe this isn't as big of a problem as it seems like it is. But we need to listen to people. When people have concerns, we need to listen to them and not just say, get a better job, bucko, if you want to earn a living wage. We, we need to listen to people's concerns and we need to show them the respect that is accorded their inherent human dignity. So I don't know if this was, I, I, I guess this is a bit of a listicle episode. Um, I, I hope it's helpful to you to get you thinking about what you can do to be more genuine in your interactions with people, because I really think this is what we need to take away from Trump. What we need to take away is that people are craving authenticity, and if they see even a sliver of it, even a facade of it, they will run to it. And so if we conservatives want to have not just electoral success, but cultural success, we need to be more genuine. We need to speak people's real language. We need to get out of our bubbles. We need to not demand fake shows of faith from our people. We need to get involved ourselves. We need to run for office to show that real people can do that. And we need to listen and show respect. That's all I have for today. I hope it's helpful to you. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to tune in. If you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed this show, if you could head on over to iTunes and rate it with five stars, that would be supremely helpful to both this show and the rest of the Outset Network. You can find me on Twitter at BGreenAZ, and you can find Outset on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Outset Network. Make sure to also give a follow to our awesome editor-in-chief at Stephen with a PH underscore Perkins. 
In the coming weeks, we've got some good episodes in the works. I will do my best to get these out. This is supposed to be a weekly show, uh, but it it's not a weekly show right now. I am trying. I am in a busy season of my life right now, and I apologize to you. I thank you so much for tuning in despite the irregular schedule, and I hope you will enjoy what we have planned for the future. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. We will see you next time.